Decorating Pages is a podcast dedicated to taking you behind the scenes of the designs of your favorite TV shows and films. Each episode, I'll be sharing design stories from some of Hollywood's most famous sets, interviews from set decorators, production designers, directors, and actors about creating the look of TV and film, about their design inspirations, and stories that take sets from page to screen. Hello, and welcome to Decorating Pages. I'm your host, Kim Wanup. Hey there. Hey there, hi there, ho there, what the fuck is going on? Um, We almost had a coup today. That's crazy. Uh, I mean, I was going to go on this whole rant about COVID, and then, I mean, this whole political thing, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't take it. <laughs> I can't take it. I can't wait for two weeks. I can't take it, but... I don't know if it's going to end. I think we're at the beginning of something, and I hope I'm wrong. But I try not to get political on this. I'm not going to get political. I'm going to rant about COVID instead. (laughs) Uh, I hope you had a great holiday season, um, as much as to be expected. I mean, I had hoped to visit my family um, back east for Thanksgiving, and that didn't work out. And then Christmas didn't work out. So now my show as many in Hollywood uh, has been pushed and shut down for an additional week of hiatus. It's it's just so bad here, the virus. I mean, the New York Times is reporting that someone contracts it every six seconds and dies every 10 minutes in Los Angeles. I mean, it's so frightening to me to go back to work. And I know we're tested, and I know we take all of our procedures really seriously, but it still takes 10 of us in a room to light and dress and grip and uh, I just think it's a huge disconnect between above and below the line to get the shot and yes producers care about us and they want us to be safe but the reality of it is different schedules aren't changing locations aren't changing sets aren't getting smaller they're getting bigger and I I just I don't know I thought that those things would be the first to be sacrificed a little bit for our safety, but it's not. Um, And it's not just me saying this. Believe me, I hear it from other people. But scheduling, dressing locations, making changes on set, it's the nature of our business. It's the way we make you out there believe that these stories are real. But it comes from a lot of hard work behind the scenes, and I just think it's really irresponsible for everybody to go back to work right now. I mean, I'm a department head. I have to send my crew out to prop houses and these locations. I have to send buyers out to stores to make purchases. And I just feel like I'm putting people at risk. Like, I'm stressed out about this. (laughs) I hate it. And I know we need to work. And we need the money to survive and live. And look, I got kids. I just bought a townhouse. I need cashish. But this is crazy. It's 10 times worse than the springtime. And we're all going to go back to work? I don't get it. I just, I just don't get it. I mean, fuck you, COVID. I, I, let's, I don't know. I know everybody cares. I know. I know we're all trying to do the best to get things done. But I just think it's crazy. I think see ya, see ya President's Day. That's what I think. But, okay, let's move on. So what's one of watching? 
I feel like I watched a lot over the break. <laughs> I mean, I zoomed through the Netflix series You. Um, the first season was really good if you're into serial killers, because I am. It's kind of... It's, it, it almost could be on a network. Like, I didn't find it that, you know, challenging of a story or anything. But it was a quick, good watch. Second season gets a little lame. But it's still, it's still decent. I mean, I, third season, I'd watch it. Um, production designer Sarah Knowles and Hugh D.G. Moody. And the decorators Sabian O'Brien and Betsy Klumpus. God, I'm horrible with names. Um, I think they did a great job both seasons. Um, first season's in New York, second season's in L.A. I liked it. Uh, we did uh, every year, at least once, I watched Gone with the Wind. And so, um, my husband and I sat down and watched that, and it's like, man, I could probably recite the whole movie. It's crazy. I just love that movie. And I have to. I have to watch it every year. And, and I always look at these painted, the scenery that they have painted, or what they built, and how they achieved all this, and the Atlanta, and the streets, and like, all these extras, and the costumes. I just love Gone with the Wind. I love it. Uh, we zipped through the flight attendant. Done with that. I just, I, I think I talked about it last, uh, last episode that I would love to be killed in that hotel room. I would. Um, production designer Sarah K. White and set decorated Jessica Puccelli. Puccelli, I think. Uh, excellent job. Great taste. Really great textures and colors. And I, I gotta say that the music in it is really upbeat. I loved it. Uh, I watched Wonder Woman. Uh, I watched Wonder Woman. All right. Um, and, uh, yeah. I don't know. And then, you know, Housewives always in between. So, <laughs> got got some viewing done in the last couple of weeks. On this episode, I speak with Dean Holland, who is an Emmy-winning editor for his work on The Office. He has seven... Emmy nominations for his work on The Office, Parks and Rec, and the 76th Annual Academy Awards. He also has three online film and television award nominations for directing for Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I met Dean on Parks and Rec and was lucky enough to also work with him on the Netflix series Love. Uh, after Parks ended, we've uh, worked on that together, which was awesome. And then, and then again, um, he was directing The Good Place, so I worked with him on three different shows. Dean started out in post-production house, and he quickly found his way to editing, and then working on shows like Behind the Music and um, Comedy Central pieces like David Tells Up All Night and Celebrity Roasts. Working for almost a decade between The Office and Parks and Rec, Dean was able to move from editing to producing and then directing. He's been directing recent shows like Splitting Up Together, which he also produced, Bless This Mess, and The Unicorn. I am extremely lucky to be friends with Dean and to be able to have worked with him. I know that he trusts my decorating taste because he also hired me to decorate his house. <laughs> he's, uh, he's witty and he's quick and he's a super nice guy. So I hope you enjoy. Event on 
that doesn't that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you moved back to your hometown. Yeah. This, this is where you're from. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm from like a, the town next door. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm I'm probably 15 minutes from where I grew up. That's crazy. Did you always yeah. want to move back there? Do you think or? I've always, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's always felt like home. Uh, it, you know, it's not so much that I've always wanted to move back here, but I've always wanted to move out of out of LA. Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. So, what brought you to LA? Like, how did you get to LA? Um, well, you know, I I I, I have the classic uh, path. I was a business major, <laughs> and. Uh, and so you go right into entertainment. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think when I was probably, it was like my senior year in college, uh, one of my roommates, my buddies who I went to high school and college with was uh, Chris Nealon, who is Kevin Nealon's brother. Mm. And always very intrigued by the entertainment industry and stuff like that. And we shot some like commercials for school, like for my business, for marketing. You know, yeah. Um, I remember one of the commercials that I shot uh, was two girls out in the quad doing homework, and a construction worker goes over to a, a Coke machine and grabs a Coke and takes off his shirt and drinks it, and they watch him. And I remember, like five or six years after that, that was the biggest commercial on t- Coke commercial. Do you remember that? The two girls in the office looking out, and a construction worker takes yeah. off his shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a huge Coke commercial. I was convinced my teacher stole it from me and sold it to Coke. I'm sure he did. <laughs> he probably did. Anyway, um, but uh, you know, so we, I liked doing that and. Chris and I were talking about moving out to California and we were like, we've got your brother's house to stay at. And so let's do it. So I figured I would give the entertainment industry a try. I mean, I knew nothing. I, I had never done anything. So um, we packed up our bags and moved out. And I, I, I was a chef for the first year because that was the only, I knew I needed a job. So, and I cooked all through high school and college. So I cooked for the first year until I got a job at a post house. And what, you know? but, but was it that you had to click on some sort of direction, like to go to, into a post house? Like I would never, I never thought about going. Well, no, it was, to be honest with you, the manager of the restaurant that I was working at, she, I, I was dating her and she used to work at this post house. Mm-hmm. And I told her I, that, that the reason I'm out here is to get into the entertainment industry. I'm not out here to be a chef. I'm not out here to do any of that. Right. And she said the only connection she had was this post house. If, if she wanted me to get her an interview, you know, get me an interview. And so I said, yes. And, um, you know, that's how I ended up editing wow. because, because my first for, you know, foray into the entertainment industry was, um, uh, you know, post-production. And in post house, you're working on like multi. The people are the editors are working on like multiple things. Like shows yeah. are sending in their product to be edited in audio and audio. It's like a, it's a post. It's yeah. a house. It's like a machine of. Yeah, like, I mean they don't they don't exist in this capacity really anymore. But yeah. it was um you know it was a huge place that did everything from you know transferring film to graphics to just uh, offline and online editing. 
And uh, my first job there is I walked around with a tray and went into every room and asked people, you know, I'd walk in and it was Janet Jackson cutting a music video with their guy. And so I'm like, can I get you something to drink? And the next one was Guns N' Roses. And the next one was, you know, Perry Farrell. And it was like, it was great because it was all music videos back then. I thought you were walking you around know? with like a tray of Coke. Anybody want a line? Like anybody? <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you want, knock on a door and they said, go away, then you knew what was going on there. <laughs> Not now. Um, but, yeah. But, you know, I basically made cappuccinos. I got people food. That's what I did. And then, like, my next level up was I got to work in what they call the tape vault, where all of everyone's materials were stored. So you would come in to continue working on your music video. I'd come give you all your stuff, and then they would bring it to the – or we would bring it to the machine room, whatever, you know. And so I, I did about a year and a half there. Wow. And uh, um, and one of the clients there was a company called River Street Productions. And uh, Tracy and Michael, who I'm great friends with today, and, uh, and they hired me as a production assistant. So, you know, th then I left that company. And, you know, when you're a production assistant at a small company, you're basically a jack of all trades. You're everything. It's like whatever you can do, yeah. do it. So I kind of got my hands dirty in all these things in all aspects of it. And, you know, I was kind of like, well, you, you know, I'm not a writer and directing is feels like I have to do a lot more to get to directing and producing sucks. Yeah. And so I was like, <laughs> editing sounds good. And they, we had just bought a couple of avids and, you know, I first learned on a nonlinear system uh, or on a linear system. And then they bought avids and I learned on nonlinear. And uh, so that when I finally, I stayed there for four years and did a ton of stuff. Um, I think some of the first things I cut was car racing. Oh my gosh. Where, That's you know, they would, you know, there's like IndyCar and all this stuff, but then they would have these little like races like Toyota Atlantic and uh, IndyCar lights. Right. And, you know, ESPN didn't want to play a three hour race. So you had to cut the race down to 24 minutes. And so, which, you know, I remember someone telling me once, it was like, well, the story's there. Yeah. It just goes around. and <laughs> So you just, you just have to cut out the garbage and right. you know, make it 24 minutes. <laughs> and it taught me how to use the equipment and all that kind of stuff. And then we started doing like promos for the WB and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I learned, I learned how to edit while I was there a little bit, a very little bit. Um, I feel like I still learned how to edit and, um, you know, after four years, I just took their entire Rolodex and called everybody. And I said, I'm, I'm going freelance. Who wants to hire me as an editor? There you go. And, you know, and I, and I got a job. Um, do you know Bill Durande from Chainsaw? No, it sounds familiar. He, but I don't know he, he owns one of the only, like, or <laughs> used to own one of the only, like, big post houses left. It was bought by a large company and stuff like that. But he still edits there and still, you know, runs it. And, uh. You know, I remember calling him saying, hey, are you looking for an editor? And he says, yeah, can you start tonight? <laughs> he owed trailers and stuff like that. And, you know, and that's when through him is where I got into behind the music. Which I, I, I know I talked to you before about this, but like the stories of behind the music that you cut out are oh, yeah. probably phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you this, that you get all the good ones. You yeah. know, that like if there was anything crazy, that's the show. That's what like that's it. you always you have to capitalize on all people's misfortune on those shows. Yeah. So, um, 
I, so there's no I, good I, stuff. I think Although, the, yeah, go the, ahead. The best behind the music I ever saw to me was Fleetwood Mac. That was yeah. that was like because I didn't really know them and I watched it and I was like, what happened to these people? Like <laughs> they all drug addicts and sleeping with each other and like they're all still friends. This is crazy. <laughs> people always talk about they talk Fleetwood Mac. They talk about Vanilla Ice. Yeah. They talk about um, uh, Motley Crue. Yeah. You know all the bands that you know like Vanilla Ice just had a crazy story. You know, but like Motley Crue and. And, um, you know, Fleetwood Mac, they were just, just, just drug addicts. And like, it's insane, you know? But behind but the music stuff was like, huge. Uh, behind the music was like huge. I, I mean, it was huge. We, I mean, I, I feel like I probably watched every episode and you couldn't wait for like the next right. one of like, who were they going to do? It was yeah, great. Yeah, who was coming out next? Yeah. I mean, you knew they were in trouble when, like, they started doing Behind the Music's on, like, Britney Spears. Yeah. You're like, no, <laughs> yeah. no, that's not. But, yeah. I mean, I remember they did Sonny Bono Die. Mm. And in seven days, they had one error. They oh. put it together so fast. I think they were still cutting Act 5 when Act 1 was airing. Because we used to load it up act by act. We would send it via satellite so it would go to New York and oh, start shit. to air. Oh, and they were still fixing Act 5 when, when Act 1 was airing. It was crazy. But I'm sure it did huge because who could get it? When you get yeah. it on that quickly, people want to watch it. It's anybody, yeah. any, all celebrities that die, when they have that turnaround of like their lives, it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. I, I met Tasha on, uh, on Behind the Music. That's your, where we met. Your wife. And she yes, was my wife. She was editing also. She was a producer. Producer. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so yeah. that but that house, so I was when I was going through uh, all that you done, I was like, "Oh, he worked at MTV and VH1, but you were working at a post house for them." It's not like were you working for MTV or just their it's post? Basically, no, I never worked for MTV. I did you know, I did um, edit at the MTV building quite a bit, but it was always like, you know, most of those were behind the musics. I cut a lot of behind the musics at Chainsaw, which was Bill's company. But, you know, you start to, you just, they find their handful of guys and they love them and you just, you know, you yeah. go on to every project you, you can. And, um, and, and it was all right, but it was like, those were the times where, you know, you went to work at nine o'clock in the morning and you left three days later like that's what you did it just was that's what it was i i think i remember the longest time i ever stayed up straight was 48 hours i think where i I edited for 48 hours straight and was it because of a deadline or just like i gotta get this done it was i think it was it was like i could never understand it a lot of it was deadline and it was always because the powers that be wouldn't do their job until the very end mm. and uh, and then you were like well now we're stuck we have to stay here and do this until it's over um and then there was always a lot of problems like you know i, I did the dr dre behind the music and then right at the last minute they're like dre has said a lot of stuff about suge knight that he shouldn't say and we're like we had to go back and do changes and all this stuff and it's like you know it it, it didn't have to be that way it it was I think it was just, even though they had been doing it for a few years, they were still figuring it out. And mm. it, it didn't need to be as chaotic and crazy as it was. But we say that about all of our shows that we work on. Yeah. 
That is true. That it doesn't have true. to be this way. <laughs> um, are there any stories that you cut out that you remember being like, man, that was, people should know that or? <laughs> no, no, but I did. Maybe this was my, an inkling that I should have been doing comedy was <laughs> we did some sort of like 1999 year in review behind the music. And they were talking about Jennifer Lopez, how she has had her butt insured for oh, yeah. $2 million at Lloyd's or whatever, whatever that company is in England, the bank. And uh, I, I, the, the, uh, Jim Forbes has the line and as you know, she insured her, you know, her backside for $2 million. And I cut into the song. She's a big, fine woman. Won't you back that <laughs> ass up? And um, it was the funniest thing in any behind the music, and they wouldn't let me do it. They Aww. made me cut it. Out. Yeah. I feel like she would have appreciated that. I mean, that's exactly what I yeah. said. But if you're uh, going to insure your ass. Whatever. You got to take a, some jokes about it. I mean, seriously. You got to take Exactly. Exactly. But, it, you know, whatever. For whatever reasons, they wouldn't let me do it. But uh, there was well, nothing that I remember really, you know. Um, I do remember the I did I got to speak with Dr. Dre on the phone, which was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Because he called and, and his answer he's like, "I just watched the cut. It's hot." That was what he said. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> are I was you, like, "Okay, great." Are you ever like? Do you? I'm sure you get notes. You get notes from producers. You get notes from the network. Like you're constantly trying to edit and weave this story. But you're getting so many notes. Like, what if Dr. Dre was like, hey, uh, I don't want this in here, but it's a crucial part of the story. Then you got to, like, edit all around it. And, I mean, isn't that the most annoying thing of these people's it's notes? very complicated because, you know, because that's what, even what you're saying there. So it's like Dr. Dre has a say. And what was another big part was Jimmy Ivey, mm. right? Like, he was a huge part of it right, because right, right. he was the, like, the kind of balance, Suge Knight, Andre and like you know so it's not only do you have your producers and uh, a network which the network didn't give a lot of notes it was really about, about like make sure everyone's happy and then we'll be good with it you know oh, that was um, nice. so it was really you had record labels you know agents managers musicians it, it that's the, that's the real juggling you yeah. know um and it doesn't matter what you say to them. Like Tasha, my wife, was one of the people. She had to fly all over the place and interview all these people. That was her job. Oh, wow. She interviewed band, you know, all the band members. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, it was it was pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you think, you think you get it all locked in then. It's like, all right, whatever you say. And it doesn't matter. They, they always want you to cut things out and, you know, don't make me look bad or all that stuff. But yeah. it is what it is. From from that, where did you, where do you go then? Is it more? Is it because then it, it says like you did American Idol, which is like live. Is that live editing or was it? Well, like the, the American the American Idol was was later on. So I was later. American Idol came during the writers' strike. Mm -hmm. I was already on The Office. And I called my friend oh. Bill Durande and I said, hey, man, I need work during the writer's strike. And he's like, come to American Idol. And I did one day and I went, nope. 
Yep. And, I, and I quit. <laughs> but yet they put it on IMDb, so uh -oh. I never really did anything. I sat down in a room and some kid came behind me and started telling me what to do. And I went, yeah, no, I'm not going to do this. No, I'm out. So, yeah. then, so that's super jumping ahead. So, so what, then... what happened was it was when you're, when you're in this world, you're in MTV, you're all this stuff, people start to point to you going like, hey, that's the funny guy. He can cut comedy. Let's get him to do this. And I think uh, Joel Gallen was one of the first ones to do that. Joel yeah. Gallen has a company called 10th Planet. He did all the comedy roasts. He used to do the MTV Movie Awards and all these things. And so I started cutting funny stuff where I would only cut like the movies for the MTV Movie Awards. Right. Where they put the star, you know, the host in a movie and because then all you were doing roasts. You were doing David Tell, which I love. Yes, I love David I did. Tell. One of the, I, you know, to me, one of the highlights was I cut the opening to the Oscars with Billy Crystal. That's awesome. That's pretty awesome. It was a lot of fun. I did that. I did that with Troy Miller. Troy hired me for that. And you know, the great thing about that is you kind of write it in the edit room. So we worked for about six weeks putting something together with the movies, where basically I would just do voices and uh put billy's picture in certain movies and just you know and you build what's called an animatic and then working with billy back and forth billy and troy we kind of hone in exactly what we want so you basically have cut the entire thing and then you go shoot exactly what you need oh wow and it's all on green screen oh, you wow. know and then you plug him into the cut you get the master movies from the people. You say, hey, I need, you know, I need this shot and this shot and this shot. And then you just rebuild the entire thing after you shot it. And uh, that was really cool. I got to meet Jack Nicholson, I meet Billy Crystal. Oh. It was very cool. It was called Return of the Host instead <laughs> of Return of the King. Return of the King won that year. Because he had he had skipped a year or something, right? He had, he skipped, had yeah for a long time and then they tried a bunch of other people and everyone else wasn't as good and then billy crystal came back yeah, yeah. i always thought he was and great but i i've heard that he's a dick but i've always heard that like but he was, i always thought he was he great. was wonderful oh good yeah, i mean i i had no problem with him he was great but i mean look he may appear that way to other people i was one of the people that got to work closely with him i mean we sat in an edit room for a couple of months you know right and so you just you just you end up you know, hanging out with a person that way, you know? Plus you're um, funny. So, I mean, <laughs> it helps. Yeah. I mean, no joke. I mean, I, we literally wrote jokes together in there and uh, that was a lot of fun. I mean, my voice is actually in there for Chris Cooper um, <laughs> because Chris Cooper has a line from Seabiscuit where he says he just needs to learn how to be a horse again. And I changed it to the host again. And it's my voice in there. <laughs> You know, I don't even know if you can find that online. I'm sure it's got to be. It's got to be online. I'll find it for this. <laughs> yeah. I should have reviewed then, it. Um, and, and I don't know if that was before or after I cut a movie for Troy. And that's how Troy and I got together. And I cut a pilot for Troy. So it just once I started cutting scripted stuff like the MTV Movie Awards stuff, that's when I started getting more scripted work was... and, and the world of, of reality TV slowly went away because you have oh wait which one was troy's the, not the hebrew hammer the three Amigos? no that was run ronnie run oh run ronnie run that's right before it yeah 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 
So we did that. And so I don't know if that's before or after the Oscars. The Oscar thing is, I think, in special, like if you're on IMDb, it's yeah. not in editing. It's on something. Yeah, it's under uh, your um, editorial department. Up, it's 2004. Yeah, editorial department. So 2004, yeah. and they've run, run, run at 2002. Yeah, so I did run, run, run first. Mm. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna look that up right now too. Yeah, was, makes sense. I haven't looked at that. Was when you um, when you're doing movies, is the pressure off a little bit, or is it because you seem to have? I feel like they bring editing on so early now, but now because you get to you know you're well, editing dailies basically. But to me, back then everything was pressure. Like I I, I felt like I got to edit stuff that I wasn't ready for right away. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I think a lot of people I connected with and they're like, well, we're going to have you edit our pilot. And I'm like, what's a pilot? Like, right. I didn't know, you know? Right. And um, I remember I was cutting the pilot and I heard Troy was doing a movie and I walked into his office. I go, I want to cut your movie. And he goes, don't come in here not having read a script or knowing jack shit and telling me you want to cut my movie. And he takes a script and he throws it at me. He was going, now read the script. So, but yeah, I felt like it was a lot of pressure. Um, I, I, I still always feel pressure. I mean, I just got this pilot and as soon as it was over, I was like, well, the meeting well, but now the hard part comes is now I have to do now it. I have to do it. I know. There's it always, there's, it always scares me. There's plenty of times I read like episodes and I'm like, wow, I can't wait to watch this. I don't really want, I don't want to decorate it. I don't want to know what my schedule is going to be the next three weeks, but I can't wait to watch this episode. Watch <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, um, but then, you know, it, it, that's where like, I think everyone's career is kind of all this kind of scattered all over the place thing. But I think it was with that pilot with Troy, run, Ronnie, run, and a couple other things it's like I think the next thing I got was I mean it's the, uh, I think I got Entourage first I think I yeah. got Entourage the, yeah you have I like, got Entourage and The Office almost at the exact same time yeah they I both think say I cut, 2005 like, but you did six yeah, episodes of two, Entourage two, yeah I cut two episodes of Entourage over the summer and then I was on The Office in the second season which the first season was six episodes and so I came on in the second season and and then basically I did that every year. I was like the office through the year and then the summer was entourage and the offer office was through the season and, and the summer was entourage. When you're when you're editing shows like that and I find that amazing that you know, I did that back and forth a little bit with like love and veep and whatever like you get to do two shows a year it's awesome because then you're not stuck in the same thing it's great but when you're editing that and and one is for cable versus network is your editing style different well i mean look at the shows right entourage and the office couldn't be further apart um the office was far more difficult to edit far more difficult um Entourage, everything was kind of a stylized shot to get you to the next thing, you know? And so I would, I mean, Entourage cut together instantly, I, you know? And I would cut those episodes together so fast that they'd be like, well, look, just stay home until Doug wants to come watch at it. And I would like, you know, be gone for three weeks and then Doug would want to look at it and I'd come back in, right? Where 
the office was, and whatever you cut, almost everything that I cut for Entourage, Doug would change maybe some music wow. and change a couple of, uh, and, and a couple of things, but the cuts were great. He, every year he asked me to quit the office and come back. But I was like, it's just more episodes of the, of, you know, at the office we were shooting, we were doing like 27, 28, oh, yeah. 29 episodes a year. They're long, where long seasons. It was like 12. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but, and, you know, and whatever your cut was, that was what Entourage was, where The Office was, my first cut was 45 minutes long and it needed to be 21. And there were four or five different storylines happening. I know. And so that was much harder to deal with than Entourage. So I, I liked Office because it was so much more challenging. And I, I mean, the people were fabulous and I got along with everybody so well there. I would think that The Office, I, I didn't think that The Office would be harder than Entourage, but... To me, I just rewatched the whole office in the last couple months. And to me, the timing of the edit cuts for the little looks was that people everything. get, it's, it's so everything. crucial to the success yeah. of the comedy in those scenes that I can't. I, I can't tell you how many times someone would say, trim that by an, uh, a frame. And I'd be like, all right, and we try a frame. And they go, nope, put it back. And one frame. One frame, I, I mean, yeah. it, was, it was it was such precision in that editing. I mean, I, I've always been very proud of, of the work that Dave Rogers and I did editing that show. I mean, I, you know, I know there were other editors after us and stuff like that, but for those first four years, it was he and I. And um, it, it, I thought we did great work. I oh, loved yeah, it. Yeah. I really loved it. And yeah. I think that is where all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm learning how to edit. I'm, I'm learning how to tell a story and oh, how yeah. to craft craft comedy, you know, in editing. But you're also helping the actors who don't even know it. You're helping them develop their characters because yeah. and they knew that. Well, that's good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Thank God. No, they really did. It was, it was. I mean, I'm telling you, you know, this. The Office was shot way out. In the middle of nowhere, off of Satakoy. Yeah. No one ever went out there. We were we were a tight knit family, and everybody you know everybody knew what everybody contributed. It was it was it was a great atmosphere. And how was that getting notes? Was that were there a lot of notes of like focus more on yeah, Michael Scott you know, or it? It, it I, I was definitely. Um, a bigger part of the notes process once we got to parks. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, for the first couple of years, you're kind of, you're kept out of everything. Greg would just come down and go, all right, here's what you have to do. He wouldn't say it was a network note. He wouldn't say it was anything. Uh -huh. It was just these changes. And we did lots and lots and lots of changes. <laughs> I mean, it was nonstop work. And the problem is, is a lot of that is getting it to time. You'll look back at those first few years and we started doing what was called supersize episodes. Right. That the episode was 28, 29 minutes long, and it was 45 minutes on television. You know, it was because they were like, we don't want to cut it. It's yeah. too good. Yeah. And then what we also started, we started airing like C and D stories online. So we would cut stuff for the internet. You know, so when the show ended, it'd go, go to NBC.com right. and you could watch more because we had just a plethora of material. And, but the notes were, they were extensive, but I think it was always a lot 
mainly internal, I think. You mm. know, Greg, Greg would, making... would work something until it was perfect. Wow. It, I, it's, those, I think the first couple seasons are where it's at. I mean, the development yeah. of the characters and, and there's not too many stories. Like, I feel like the down, because I really tried to pinpoint why didn't it work? What? what happened yeah and to me it was like there was eight different stories going on in like the last episodes like every character had a story and there was no central bounce like the michael scott never i don't know to me i was like i think that's why because james spader i thought was great the couple episodes with will ferrell i thought were great but for some reason it was too much going on like they it's too much, and, and by the way, those stories were probably written wonderfully. Yeah, but oh, yeah. you can't squeeze that into 21 and a half minutes. Yeah, it was just too, it was too much, and then not focusing enough on, I mean, you know, so much of Jim and Pam, Jim and Pam, but not having, and then like Andy went away, I mean, you know, like, it just got so yeah, messy because just, he went away to do Hangover yeah. or something and like left the show for six seven months and then it was like oh we so, thought yeah. we thought you were gonna be the michael scott and then it he just left and it was so and then you disappeared <laughs> yeah but um but i really enjoyed rewatching. i was gone by that point i left in the at the, at the you know the first half of season five so i i edited season two three four and some of five and then you left then you left to do parks do parks yeah were you in parks from the from the pilot on? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I got along with Mike really well at the office, and it always seemed to be that every episode that I cut was a, or, or every episode that Mike wrote that I cut, um, and and I got along with Greg great, and they were always so generous to me right Mm -hmm. they were always i don't know what it was we all clicked whatever maybe they're just really great people i don't know but they they just kind of we would talk and i'd say i'd like to do this and they'd say okay you know i i mike i heard mike was going to make a new show and i said i want to go with you i want to i want to i want to go to your show and he said i want to bring you i was the one and only person that left the office and went to parks wow Wow, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And Greg made me go and tell every person at the office that it was my decision and that he was not taking me because he promised everyone he that I would that he would not take anyone to go to parks. Wow, I mean, yeah. because and, you can raise Jenna. Jenna Krasinski cornered me and were furious. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it was pretty funny. You're yeah. you're key to their success of uh, putting their exactly, and they knew, and they knew that we like it was we used to I used to be able to watch and I'd go you know nope that's Jenna that's not Pam or that's 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 Rain it's not Dwight it's not you could just there were just little subtleties that like you know you could watch certain takes and go nope this is the right one and mm-hmm. I think they trusted us with that as well. Were there a lot of takes for The Office? I mean. Yeah, I would assume so. I, but... I once did, now I'm blanking on the number, but Steve Carell once did, I think, 150 takes of a talking head. Maybe it was 100. It was 100. I think it was a, just shy of 100. And I think we used take number one. <gasps> 
what was it a long uh interview or was it it was it was really it was Carell. Carell felt like I think what happened is he nailed it and then he went off on a tangent and never felt like he found it and so they went back the next day and reshot more too but ultimately he had it on take one wow I mean Carell's instincts were phenomenal I mean phenomenal he was so good at what he did yeah it's so apparent of of him discovering who Michael Scott was and not being the Ricky Gervais there's a totally totally that there is a little thing of like, oh, that was that was a little too crude, or that didn't work, and then it was like, they you guys hit this mark, and then it was just like, boom, everybody knows yeah. basically who their character is, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's such a good yeah. show, and everyone kind of figured that out, and they knew it. It, it, it just, it, I mean, I think season two of The Office is like one of the greatest seasons of television. Yeah, season. I was gonna say no. season two, I think is the best, and. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's still awkward and the lighting is still harsh and it's still realistic where by the end everyone is so polished. The lighting is yep. perfect. Like and I know that that happens in a lot of shows. It happened on Veep. It happens on a lot of How shows. How do you do that? Like you know, you're you've been on TV for 9 years and you know, people get older and they're like yeah. I'm tired of looking at myself looking like crap and I get that, but it was those first few years that it really stayed true to that, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I think and kind good. of the same with Parks. I mean, people definitely got prettier as it went on and the lighting. Yeah, they did. And, and the thing, too, with The Office being that spy cam and everything and you having to edit that almost like a new way of watching TV, not like, you know, like NYPD Blue used to do a lot of that, too, where, like, you were spying in on people. But as a comedy... It was so refreshing to be like, oh, I'm in, yeah. I'm in the conversation here. It was yeah. so, it's such I mean, a great... I'm telling you, almost every time that camera whipped across to something, nine times out of ten, there's an edit in that whip. Oh. Every, uh, it, it was insane. And, and what we would do is sometimes I would pull a few frames out of the whip because I needed it to get there faster for timing. Mm -hmm. And most of the time I would edit to a different take because the camera didn't land on it perfectly. And so you want to get the perfect landing for a reaction shot. So we would edit in those whips and you can't tell any of them. God, no, I would never have thought that. Nope. that that's I mean, it's crazy. craftsmanship. It's so <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, wow. yeah, it was and a lot of fun. So was it always supposed to be that Parks was gonna give the, that same feeling because it was Mike and Greg and you and like this, you already, you know, there, this, this part, I don't know too much about because there was politics and stuff like that behind it. But ultimately I believe NBC wanted a spinoff of the office mm. and Greg said, okay. And he and Mike made parks. And so they didn't get exactly what they wanted. And they were trying to capitalize on the documentary thing, but you know, ours quickly, we quickly turned away from that knowing, Hey, we can shoot things differently and be funny. And it doesn't have to be this yeah. mockumentary, yeah. you know? So I think by season two, we kind of started getting away from that as well. Yeah. You know, but it originally started that way. Wow. I, uh, how is it to, just start a show how is i mean you've done it a couple times awesome 
Yeah. I've done it. I've done it a few times. I love it. I mean, there's, there's nothing better than being a part of that. It's, it's really spectacular. I mean, and knowing, you know, Mike and Greg were so darn good to me saying like, I was like, I want to go to parks and I'll edit and I want to direct and I want to be a producer on the show. And within, I mean, I think I got a, some sort of producer credit in the first six episodes and um and season two i was directing because you and directed Bucky, you, you directed episodes of the of the office also so you they yes. already knew you you wasn't like you were saying i want to do this this is this you had done it on the office and proven right like, i yeah. remember i wanted to direct on the office and greg said well you should go direct something so i directed one of those mtv um movie award shorts which mm-hmm. wasn't very good but i directed and um, and then uh, in that season five came, the deal that I made with Greg was, you know, that, uh, and again, he was so great to give it to me, was that I would stay on, on the office, mm-hmm. I would direct on the office, and when the new show came, I would go to the new show, my pay wouldn't change, <laughs> and... I would uh, edit on that show and and direct, probably not in the first six, but I would direct in the second season, and I would get producer credits. And they absolutely lived up to their word and said did exactly what I wanted. And I I hope that I did a good job because they certainly let me direct a lot of them. Right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I directed twenty seven episodes or something. Um, and so, and then I think by season three, I. I couldn't edit anymore because I was directing so much. And then they started letting me go direct other shows in the middle of the season. And, you know, it was great. Is editing your own directing hard? <laughs> Ask that again. Because <laughs> were you editing your own episodes that you directed? Yes, yes I is, was. Is that I was. easier? I don't like... I don't, I don't like doing that No, because when I edit the stuff that I direct, I just look at how poorly I directed everything. And, and so, and also if you don't, to me, it's a very collaborative medium and I want someone else's opinion. So if I shoot something, I want to see how an editor is going to put it together. And, and, and if they're wrong, I'm going to put it together the way I want to, but it's like, getting someone else's interpretation of something is I think extremely important. And I like, I I like hearing other people's opinions. But do you think being an editor first helps a lot in directing because you think like, I'm going to need this, I'm going to need this insert or I'm going to need this shot. I'm going to need this reaction. You know, you know, it's, it's yes. And, and what it taught me was options. It taught me, get different performance from actors. It taught me get different angles to cut to um, because uh, you're very limited if you just shoot a certain, like, I'm just going to shoot one size on this and then one size on that and a wide. And you're like, well, now it doesn't cut together well. Right. So, it, 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 you know, when they say, when people say, oh, you must shoot like an editor, you shoot exactly what you want and move on. And I'm like, no, I shoot like an editor. I shoot everything I can think of. Right. So I can so you you know, make it work in the editor. Yeah. It's all about options. Um, I When I look back up on Parks, I think it was like the high school of my career. And so fitting that for our 
final wrap gift they gave everybody a yearbook that I just packed yeah. up and looked at the other day. But to me, I'll probably never have that again. <laughs> oh, I don't. Right. Totally. I just think from top to bottom, everyone was nice. Everyone was like encouraging. I mean, there's still, you know, a job to be done and, you know, people are still producing and there's still pressure and everything. But the actors were great. There wasn't like fear that there is on a lot of other shows that you work on this weird fear of either actors or producers or whatever it is. And I, um, you, you have, you, cause you were there in the beginning, you are a part of that. Like, how did you create that environment so well? You know, I, that, that, how did you do a, it so we can do a, it on another show? <laughs> it's really hard. Um, I think it stems from a lot of things. I think part of the reason, I mean, most of the reason is Mike Schur. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, 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 and Mike Schur is such a wonderful guy and all this stuff, and that's a big part of it. But it's also, there was one clear vision on that show, and it was Mike's. You know, I mean, I know Greg was there early on, but he quickly realized that this is going to be Mike's, and, and, and he let Mike have it, and Mike ran that show, and he ran it better than anyone runs a show. And when you have a super nice, friendly guy who lets everybody do their job. Yes. And he doesn't yes. micromanage. Yes. You, you then get happy people because he's happy. But it, it, it also, you go to Mike and go, Mike, what do you want for this? I want that. Done. Yeah. Like there was never... What do you guys think? What, what do you guys think? Should we look at that? Like there, that, that was eliminated from that show because Mike knew exactly what he wanted. Wow. And, and I think that trickled down, you know? Um, and so I know it was like, you know, there was Mike, there was Morgan, there was me, you know, I am tend to be a very happy go lucky guy. Morgan's miserable. Yeah. Always. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was like, you know, there's if you look at that as the same thing as here's Mike who does that you know Morgan's one of the best producers absolutely ever. absolutely 100 percent I mean he truly he he knows more than anyone yeah he knows how to get things done there was never ever 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 anything that was asked for where Morgan goes we can't do that well that I know was never, well, ever the answer but set and I know set wise I got to a point being comfortable and saying like, can't we just not, this is too much. Like, like the unity concert or like these huge sets. Oh, that I know, pull I know. Off. because we would do it because Mike loved all that stuff. And Morgan was like, if this is what makes the show good, yeah. then we'll figure out how to pay for it. Yeah. And so, and so you have Mike who just created that atmosphere, Morgan who knew how to run it. Then there was me who was on set all the time. And so it's just like, it kind of just, you're yeah. never, it's, you're, you're never going to capture it again. No. You know, it's just not going to happen. I, I've been on shows where I've kind of tried to run them and I don't have that, you know, that confidence that Mike has, even though I think a lot of people think I am confident and all that Mike just has that that next elevated level that I don't have. Um, I try to emulate it, but I can't, but I don't think you can capture that again. 
you know, the office was almost there and Parks elevated it to a whole new level. I was going to say, did the, um, did the did, office you, have that? No. Yeah. Yeah. There, there wasn't one bad egg on our set on no. Parks. Not one. No. And when you have, when you have a line of actors, a line of crew members begging to get on that show. Yeah. Because everybody knew it. I mean, the reason I got love after Parks was... Judd basically said, I heard Parks is the best run show in town. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to grab Morgan and I'm going to grab Dean and put Morgan on a movie and Dean on a show. Like, yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. You know, and you, you split know, up the family. <laughs> you, I went with yeah. you. I went with mom and dad went in that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really was. I mean, kudos to Judd for realizing, hey, why don't I just hire All those the place people. where everyone's happy? Yeah. Yeah. And it was crazy when we went off to do other projects and we still like would run into each other and be like, oh, yeah. we're, when are we getting together again? Like, when is the next show? And like, and then, you know, yeah. I and, feel like we all still do that. Yeah. You know, we still kind of do that. We, so. I think more, I think they do try to keep the same people together and they've worked in a couple yeah. of new faces that really suck, but you know, it's, uh, it's fine. <laughs> But, you know, Good Place was pretty, Good Place was pretty great, but I mean, it still wasn't the same as as yeah. uh, as Parks. I'm I'm talking about you know yeah. behind the scene, yeah. you know the, the the that energy. But but I mean, you know, I directed a bunch of those and I loved it over there. Yeah, I think that's it was close, but not there. It was yeah. It was uh, it was like going back for a reunion, but now you're all kind of older and you're like, eh. <laughs> people brought their spouses and you're like yeah ah, yeah like why are they anymore? here and like oh yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> um i didn't realize how many times mike Schur was in the office i thought he was in for like one or two episodes <laughs> he was in, he a was in there a bunch i didn't he was in it a lot yeah yeah um, i mean we it, you know he he and i worked so well together i mean like I think part of the reason Mike and I got along so well together is because I love to argue with Mike. I mean, I always lost. I always lost. But <laughs> I never stopped me from trying. <laughs> because I would try to fight for things that I really liked in the show. And I think every once in a while he threw me a bone and let me win. But, uh, you know, usually he won. So I came, you know? I came on to Park season four and, you know, I, I didn't have a ton of interaction with Mike, but you're in meetings and everything. And by yeah. season five, I think I I was comfortable with you and, and Morgan and David Hyman and said, I kind of think that Mike doesn't know my name. <laughs> so, um, and he you, probably didn't. <laughs> he probably didn't. But he, uh, right. so you said, well, let's just call you Janet and see if, <laughs> if, uh, he gets it. That's so right. we would be in art department meetings and you and sometimes Morgan would be like, oh, that's a good point, Janet. And then like, I'll let it slide and whatever. And not until that last season, he said, I, we got into the conversation. Something came up about Janet and he said, no, I know your name is Kim, but I don't know why they keep calling you Janet. <laughs> like, <laughs> And I remember feeling so bad of like, oh my God, I hope he doesn't think we were trying to like nastily <laughs> prank him or something. But he was so like, I don't know why these jerks are calling you. 
<laughs> or something. Yeah. So he sort of turned it, and I was like, "That's genius." And then all through, all through good I mean, things. Like we've all been on production meetings and concept meetings on shows that are just miserable. I mean. Every production meeting and concept meeting was a blast on yes. that show. It was fun. It was funny and mm-hmm. it was creative. Like each department, if it was Gabe Perillo and props or if it's Kristen yeah. Mann with like costumes, like there was just such synergy of everybody wanting it to be great for yeah. like for Mike because he was so yeah. into it and, and we were all just so into it. It was great really was he just and he always he always had answers yeah that you didn't expect and they were so pensive he's like oh my god it, whenever you ask someone a question you kind of realize oh you haven't thought about this yet have you mm-hmm. always thought about it you can yeah. tell mike he's like well we discussed that for an hour in the writer's room you're like how how do you think about that and he thought about everything you know and and i think that's part of it like because mike they didn't just write in the writer's room. They talked about they talk. all that stuff. Yeah. They really, really talked about, they talked about how should it look? How should it feel? Where should it be? Where's the location? And and so so when you brought things up to him, he got it. Yeah. And there was never a time where we're like, hey, uh, you got these two scenes. Uh, can we combine it and put it in this location? He was always like, yeah, done. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Because he knew it was saving us money yeah. so that we could do something else. I think, you know? though, what was harder about that in on The Good Place was that he held on. He had a secret about yeah, it being The Good problem. Place. And so then when, not that he was ever, like, said, I don't know, figure it out. He would try to explain things of reasoning why it should be this without giving it away to everyone. And I think yeah, that that yeah. hurts a little bit when you can't creatively, everyone's not in on it. Yeah. He he was basically the only one. So, but I, yeah. I didn't get there yeah. till season two. Yeah. And I still think that that rippled a little bit of like, he, there was so much to figure out on The Good Place that he was just creating just because yeah. it's another world that far it, far more complicated show it was much yeah. more complicated creatively of like well is it this and then it's like well we don't yeah it is and he would have definite answers but there was i think too especially for gay coming up with these props and everything it was mm-hmm. really creative for her because you don't know what it is it's not like on oh, Pawnee she's coming up with yeah. another cake it's like she's coming up with glow-in-the-dark handcuffs and shit so right because it also it didn't need to be grounded in reality right I mean look right. where you were like it, it just that opens up a whole new world yeah you know for what you could accomplish yeah it was an, an amazing storyline really when you from start to beginning, The Good Place is an amazing story. I don't even know how I came up with it. And it's so intricate. And, and yeah. But, yeah. Um, so, wait. So. Wait, he, took, he took me to breakfast. He took me to breakfast at Good Neighbor. Nice. And it pitched me the whole, from start to finish, of, of, of Good Place. And I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> and how are you going to do that? Like, on a network? <laughs> And why am I on this show, Love? <laughs> right, 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 right. Which yeah. we work together on, on Love. Yes. And so that mm-hmm. that is actually 
up, up until that point, the first time I started a series, like it was my perm yeah. sets and everything. So it was wonderful to me to, to be yeah. in at the beginning of love, um, which is on Netflix. And it's such a quirky little story, but how did you, yeah. I mean, you said that Judd just picked up these people, but what made you want to do love? Well, I'll be I'll be honest with you. Judd sent me the the pilot script and uh, all sixty pages of it, and I thought it was amazing. I was like, you know, look, I, for twelve years, twelve thirteen years, I had been in under the Greg Daniels right. umbrella, kind right. of, you know, between Greg and Mike and. And, and those two shows, look-wise, editing-wise, directing-wise, were similar. And, you know, I've been able to direct a, a handful of other shows and stuff like that. But this was different. This was interesting. And um, I thought, wow, I could really learn how to direct on this show. Mm. Um, and ironically, that's what Judd said to me. He goes, you're going to, you're going to walk away from the show being a, a much better director than you are now. Oh, that's awesome. And, um, like, I remember how I told you that I felt like I learned how to edit on the office. I, I, I felt like I learned how to direct on love. Wow. Um, yeah. Even though 27 episodes of, of parks and all these other things that I did, yes, I learned, but I think that, that love got me to elevate and learn not just comedy. I think I learned how to edit com or direct comedy on, on parks, but I learned how to direct, uh, have, have, have a, a larger repertoire of, of, you know, ideas and how to do stuff on love. And so I was thrilled with the script. I loved the script. Um, obviously working with Judd was a, a huge draw. Yeah. yeah and, yeah. um, you know, and it was one of those things where I think Judd and I started working on it and doing this and that. And slowly he was like, yeah, I don't want to direct the pilot. You should direct the pilot, which was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know? And so, yeah. And so, you know, and, and I think he, you know, looked to me to kind of, all right, here, here's, you know, build the ship and set it off to sail. And, you know, and I think they'd hoped it had, done five more seasons but you know i think it did three seasons total and um but i i loved it i absolutely loved that i look back as one of my fondest memories and you know i think doing that show also opened up a lot of doors like i started yeah. getting sent movie scripts because of love wow i didn't you know <laughs> and, and i and i was never sent that on you know, seven years of parks, not one movie script was sent my way. That's... But as soon as love came out, they literally poured in. Well, it looked good. Like it looked like yeah. a movie. And I, yeah. I remember the conversations when we started it of like, it's basically like one big movie that we were cutting up into episodes. Yeah. Like that was the feeling yeah. that, that Ian and I. That's what even, like, that was, that was the style that I approached it to. Judd and I said, every episode's an independent film. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, and we and it was um, it was like instead of saying this is the office and we do handheld style where we went back and forth, we didn't want this show to be that way. We didn't want to say we shoot everything on Dolly or and and with a move or whatever. Every scene 
the scene dictated what how you shot how we shot it. You know, when there was a fight going, there was handheld and, you know, there was long wonders and there was walk and talks. It was like every scene was shot differently. And I think that's what made it feel like a movie. And when you're when you're starting up a show and then you do it again with splitting up together and you're you're starting, you know, you're producing, you're directing, you're, you're not editing anymore. How do you interact with the creatives like? the production designer or me or like the set decorator or costumes like as a producer now you now you've got this producer hat on like how do how yeah. do you know how to do that <laughs> how do you <laughs> you know i don't think i don't think that anyone knows how to do that i think when i was on the office i realized that i wasn't there because i was the best editor in the world i was there because greg liked my opinion and I didn't go to parks because Mike thought I was the best editor in the world or would be the best director in the world. I think he liked my opinion and, mm -hmm. and I spoke my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what you take with you when you, when you start doing your own shows like love and splitting up. And um, it's because I only just do what I know how to do. Right or whoever, you know, or the DP or whatever I'm going, I'm like, here's what I'm looking for. How do we make it work that way? You yeah. know, that opening shot of, of splitting up together, the opening and ending shot, which were those huge, crazy long shots, you know, they were very difficult to pull out of the DP and get him to do it. I remember we were ending this shot that pulls out, it starts on a close up of a phone, follows through the house and goes all the way back to an establishing shot of the house through the window and goes outside. Right. And it was like, he's like, you're done, you're done, you're losing weight, we gotta go. And I'm like, nope, it's not right yet. And of course we used the very last one. I stopped when we had it, but um, I just talked to people. And by the way, you say, how do you do that? But really for the last 10 years, I've been doing it or, you know, whatever yeah. at that point, right? you know, you, you've been speaking creatively with all these people from DP, right. production designer, costume, props, everybody. You're already doing that. It's just now you don't go, is that right? right. You're not looking <laughs> over your shoulder anymore. Right. You right. just, this is what I want. Right. And until somebody tells uh, above me tells me not to do it, that's what I'm going to do. Good. That's a good answer. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, what I've got out of you is you ask for what you want. Like you, you asked to like, can I go do this? Can I go do the park? Can I go do parks? Can, like, I feel like you definitely have a thing like, can I go do Can I do this? I like, this is what I want to do. Who can I, how can I get there? How can I ask? What's my direct way to get to it? I feel like you're pretty direct in your path, actually, from chef to uh, producer. <laughs> yeah. Are cut out through all of that, but I'm pretty. Uh, you're, I'm pretty sure you're saying that it was a complete, I basically it, just asked for what I want. Yeah, <laughs> it was a complete love letter of uh, you just asked for what you want from chef to producer. <laughs> you, you basically have been like, no, this is what I now. I like this. Let me go do it. But you're not an asshole. You know, <laughs> you're a good guy that people right. respect well, your opinion. Yeah, I, that's a big thing. Like, I, I don't ever want to be an asshole to people. I want, I, I want people to love working with and for me, whatever it is. Um, but when I was a PA a long time ago, I was making $500 a week 
and they brought me into the office and they said, you have been doing fantastic. We're going to give you a raise. We're going to give you a hundred dollar a week raise. And I said to them, you know what? Uh, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. But whoa, they were so taken back by that. And they said, well, give us a minute. And I left the office and I came back out and they go, all right, 200. And I was like, well, sh- shit, I guess if you ask for stuff, people are going to give it to you. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> very, so mi- just, that's a very millennial way to be. <laughs> yeah, and so I just kind of, you're never going to get anything if you don't ask for it. Right. You know, right. and and so I think people are often very scared of that. They're intimidated by other people and as am I, but it's not going to happen if I don't ask for it. No one is just going to give you things. It yeah. just never, ever, ever happens. It doesn't matter if it's the nicest person in the world. They're never going to give it to you. I mean, Mike sure used to say, oh my God, Dean's contract contract is up. <laughs> I don't want to negotiate. I don't want to negotiate with Dean. <laughs> and it was just because I like, you know, I think all four years of the office, I kind of said, all right, well, then I'm going to go get another job. Right. And then they would we would negotiate and we'd get, I'd get more money. And, and it wasn't cause, cause you know, all that below the line stuff, the networks are like, you get your two and a half percent or yeah, 3% or whatever. And that's standard. We don't do it to anyone else. Yeah. And I, you could just, I, you know, you have to, you have to think you have a little bit of value to the show or the job. Yeah. You have to think that you work. If, if you don't work your butt off, you're never going to get anything. So my theory was work my ass off, do the best job as I can, and then ask for the sun and the moon and see what happens. I remember after uh, getting the Emmy for Veep and then coming back to work and thinking like, it's going to be, I just, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there what I want and I'm probably going to get it. So cool. I'm not going to be crazy. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to ask for what I deserve. And it was like, no. not that they laughed completely in my face but they were like no yeah you get your two we all think (laughs) yeah we all think emmys do everything for us and it doesn't really do no it doesn't do anything anything. i think for for actors but not for uh creative if you're on the creative emmys it's not helping you yeah not at all Um, it doesn't matter so was it a different process starting up love then splitting up together because it was network? Was it harder? Is it harder to be? Well, it, once you've got that taste of, uh, of streaming and the freedoms, at least I like, I like, no, streaming. it's, it's, it's all the same. I, you know, look, to me, it was kind of who the power that be is. And on love, you had Judd Apatow. Right. And, Judd's a force, right? I mean, there is no one's telling Judd what to do. And even Netflix, like I remember, like we received a bunch of notes. We Judd Judd was loving the cuts as we were shooting the first season. And he's like, Dean, send send them the first three cuts. They're amazing. Send them. And uh, and someone came back with a bunch of notes. And Judd was like, this responded with, this isn't a I send you cuts, you send me notes kind of situation. You'll get all the cuts when I'm done. <laughs> and that's the power of Judd. Yeah. So whether that is a network show or a streaming show or whatever, that's that's his that's what he brings to the table. Yeah. And he's really smart. He's really good with this stuff. He knows what works. Um, 
And then, you know, then when I did splitting up together with Emily, who I get along with great and it's a network, you know, it's different. It's like, you don't have that Judd Apatow. And so we were just trying to make the best show that we could and not have the network cancel it, you know, because networks cancel stuff at the drop of a yeah. They're like, yeah. was that wind? Let's cancel yeah. it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Is it, Is it January? January? Cancel the show. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. And so th- that's, that's an issue, you know? And also we were already picked up for uh, multiple episodes on love where splitting up, it was a pilot and you need to get the pilot passed and get everyone loving it. And then the pilot gets picked up and then you get do more episodes and then you hope for another season and all that stuff. So it, um, that changes the dynamic a little bit. You, you kind of have to tiptoe more. I mean, even on parks, they thought, they thought they were being canceled like every season. So, I mean, it it was like every season. No joke. Every season we were, I I was, I was printing out a resume at the end of every year looking for a new job. (laughs) Even four or five or six, like I even, I didn't think they were coming back. Um, I know. Hold on a second. Here, come here. Come here. Come, Come over here. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, you see this one. Sorry. Let me see. <gasps> Dinner's ready. Oh my gosh. Oh. Look how yeah, big you are. Kim. Look at that long hair you have. How beautiful. No. How are oh. you? You look yeah. so big. I can't believe how big you are. Well, she's getting so big. Yeah. She's so big. Oh, you're still the baby, though. <laughs> I know. She's still a baby. Well, she's our little. She'll be a baby when she's twenty. I know. Um, I'll be in in a little bit. Okay. I have. I just have three questions left, and then yeah. I, I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. It's see how it just goes, and then I'm like, oh my god, it's an hour and a half. I gotta let you go. Is it hard to direct friends? Like, because I feel like on Parks or like the other shows, like you become friends with these actors. Is it harder to direct them? I, yeah, I would say it is. Um, it, maybe it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, because, you're uh, comfortable, um, but too comfortable. There, there's a, right, there's there's a shorthand. You know, I mean, with so many people, I can direct, you know, I still I still work with Nick Offerman all the time, and there's such a shorthand. I'm like, Nick, a little bit, and, and like, it's already understood. Right. So that's great, but there's also, you know, on some actors nick not being one of them you know you sit there and go like well the actor might want to go off on some tangent and they think they can because we're friends and that they'll that i'll think it's funny and so it is harder to go yeah 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 you know and so it, it it helps and it hurts it's like you have to you do have to remember that you have a job to do as the director and get the best possible performance and shots and all this kind of stuff and uh, I think because I've always been very loose and come from the world of parks and the office that there's always wanting to be a ton of improv. And improv does not always work. And there are certain people who do not know how to do improv, you know? Yeah. And so Candy it ends bag. up just slowing you down. We're like, all right, none of this is working. Let's, let's move on. Yeah. And you got to be the bad guy, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least on parks, they would have the scenes written and everything. And then they called it like a candy bag. And then the, the yeah, writer, a candy bag and a fun run. yeah, the the writer on set or whatever would come, or you, you're coming up with like alts, and then you'd film yeah. them and everything, and and I, that's got to yeah. be the controlled. I think it's more of a controlled type of improv on the shows 
so that the it's, actor it's helpful. yeah yeah and it probably and I, did, I think maybe i learned this from judd but i would also i remember doing this on love with whoever writer was there usually it was dave king i'd go dave none of this is work this feels odd to me can you while I light and do this thing, can you rework this so that we can try? So, and then I would help do it with him sometimes, but it was more, it was like, I'd set that in motion as I went and took care of other things. And then I would come back and we would rework it. Then when we liked something, we'd go to the actor and bring it to them. And if the actor was skilled enough, we would also include the actor, you know, yeah. Hey, this doesn't work. What about something like this? And then pitch ideas. And so, you know, again, it's very collaborative. And if you don't do that, I guess you're David Fincher and you just do it exactly the way yeah. you want it and hope yeah. that it works, which sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't, but yeah. you know, I don't know which way is better. I've never tried the other way. So I, I, I have to think the collaborative only because humbling enough, like, I don't know, someone else is probably has a better idea than me. <laughs> so like, exactly. the, yeah. So why not I always start out? Yeah. I always start out with, this is a really horrible idea, but what if we did yeah. this? <laughs> yes, yes. And if people laugh, then I'm like, all right, then it's a good idea, you know, or whatever, you know. Um, do you have a show or a film in all of history and or now that you wish you directed? That I wish I directed. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's my neighbor's car. Do you hear that big rum? It's my neighbor's oh my car. God. It's like right um, out my back window. Sorry. You know, I, I, I think, like, I don't know if there's wish that I directed. I am, I'm always envious of a lot of people. I'm always envious of how how good certain things look. Um, I think, you know, I would say three things. And, and I think it's because I love the movie or the series. And I, I'm jealous that I could not do something like that. And it's probably True Romance, Shawshank Redemption, and The Haunting of Hill House. The original Haunting of Hill House or the one that no, just the new series that's on right now. I, I feel like it's an artistic masterpiece. I love it. I absolutely love it. Really? Yeah, yeah. I really do. That's... I'm blown away. I mean, Timothy... Yeah, Timothy, what is it? Timothy Dalton yeah. is so bad in it. <laughs> it's so bad. He's not in that. I thought it, The Haunting on Hill House, isn't that the series that they did about the mom that died? It's Timothy Dalton in Tim, it? No, Timothy, no, not tell me. It's, um. It's the E.T. kid. Yeah. Oh, that's who I meant. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, here, here's, well, that's what I'm saying is I like it for what he made the show, the guy, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now, the guy who created it, what he made it look like. Um, I feel like, you know, it's a, it's a scary show. Yeah. And I feel like every scare is unique instead of the old classic. Like, I can watch any horror movie and go, and now, and I know when the scare is coming. And I feel like he always did it differently. Oh, fast. This is completely... Did you ever watch it? Yeah, I watched... Spoiler alert. I'm going to say this right now. Henry... Spoiler alert. No, no, no. I watched the whole thing. It's created by Mike Flanagan. And the Mike guy... Mike Flanagan. Henry Thomas is so bad. Henry Thomas. <laughs> so, so, do you know when the little girl, Nell, kills herself? Yeah. When she's grown up? Yeah. And all of a sudden, she, she, well, she hangs herself, but we think the ghost did it or whatever. She hangs herself, and all of a sudden, it drops back in the show every single time the girl saw 
the the bent neck lady. Right, right, right. Realizing realizing that she is the bent neck lady. I thought that was insanely smart. I thought that was so cool. I'd never seen that before. And then and also, I love episode six, which is the whole thing is a wonder. Yes. And yeah, that is creatively remember, very interesting. I remember they had a huge long wonder. Yeah. It's crazy. It's it is absolutely. How crazy. do you do that? With this? Yeah. That was that was that was a masterpiece. That is very creative, and I will give it to them for like doing that. Yeah. I felt and like I'm, every... I'm not saying the performances, but. <laughs> I feel like every time I thought it was going to get good and, oh, that was a good twist, and then it did something dumb, and I was like, ugh, okay, now I'm back to, yeah. like, this is stupid, and then it would get it, good, and then it would do yeah. something stupid. I know. I thought, like, the way he made that look, the way he shot it, I, I just was blown away. I was blown away. Did you watch the Blythe Manor one? Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't watch it. I was like, eh, I'm not going to watch it. Wow. That and Shawshank, and <laughs> you're putting... I would say Shawshank. I would say Shawshank and True Romance are two of my favorite movies. Yeah, yeah. The... And I have one of those things, like, True Romance was written by Quentin Tarantino, but directed by Tony Scott. I always sit back and go, I'm so glad Tarantino didn't direct it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knew and enough I, not and... to, to, to let it go. Yeah, and I and I just feel like, oh my God, the performances, the actors, that it's it's so good, it's so good. It's so I, good. You know, I got to direct the show with uh, Christian Slater, and I was giddy Breaking because it. I'm yeah. like, you know, Breaking True Romance it. is the greatest movie ever. I heard he's the nicest guy. My friend he uh, designed was wonderful. it. Wonderful. Yeah, he loved he it. He never, never left the set. He was always there, first one there, ready to go. I mean, it was it was a blast working with. That's awesome. And are you watching anything right now that's inspiring? <laughs> I mean, you've been you've been pretty busy, but I mean, through pandemic, like, have you seen anything that you're like, oh, that's you know, um, I, you know, it's it's a little slim pickings right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm not sure what the last really great show that I've watched was. Mm. Um, and I think it's a stretch. I think we're going back in time. I mean, you know, it, it, the last truly great show that I watched was probably either Breaking Bad or Mad Men, you know? Wow. But, but, but you have all these weird little horror shows that you're... <laughs> right, but that's just it. It's like, so that, I mean, I, I, again, I love that for the look of it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you pointed out some things that I agree with. So it's not an all-encompassing great show. It's just I loved the way it looked. And Grady's watching it right now. Oh. And <laughs> I should never let an 11-year-old no. watch it, but he no, loves no, it. No. <laughs> so that's why it's fresh on my mind. I just started The Flight Attendant, and it's pretty good. And and what I really like about it is the music, the tempo, that and the editing, too. Like, it just keeps you going and, like... <gasps> You feel like you're with this girl in this whole like murder mystery. It's really it's an intense I level that I like. But that's cool. I just got HBO Max because I used to have HBO, which gave me the HBO Go or whatever it right. was, but then we right. moved and we were in a rental house for 2 months and then we're here, so I literally just signed on to HBO Max uh this, like a couple of days ago, so I I'm going to watch you that. You get on that. Yeah. 
I, 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 we went without HBO for like a week, and then I was like, I can't, I gotta get that. I, I don't know what this Too HBO Max is, but I gotta get it. Like, I can't live without HBO. Too many good shows. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's yeah. it's New Year's Eve, and I'm keeping you from dinner. So, uh, uh, I'll quickly say thank you so much. This was so great to talk to you like this. And, and good um, to catch up. I know, and <laughs> I miss you guys so much. And I, uh, I know. I know. Well, I might be out there. At- It's awkward for me to interview my friends on this podcast. It doesn't really get any easier. Um, But I have to say, not knowing people's backgrounds, and I don't know what that tells you about being friends with people that I don't really know their backstories, um, it it helps. And I find it fascinating and, and so relatable to how, you know, everyone sort of got to where they were. Um, I especially like hearing how Dean just basically asked for what he wanted and that really helped him project to the next position. And that is, uh, that's a lesson right there. I really enjoyed, uh, hearing that from him. So I hope you did too. I do hope everyone is staying safe and healthy and, uh, as, as having a, a, a very good 2021 so far. And uh, coming up, I got some extraordinary interviews coming up to share with you. I have Jan Pascal, set decorator, who is hot off of Mank. And I am, I'm, I'm pretty sure, in the running for an Oscar nod for that. And her competition will most likely be production designer Jim Bissell for The Midnight Sky. I, uh, I don't know how, I don't know how these people are talking to me, but they are. So, super excited. Those are coming up. I might have a few in between, but those are the two that I have, have, uh, in the vault or in the bank right now. So, yeah, uh, got that coming up for you. I hope you got a new phone. I'm Kim Wana for Decorating Pages. Let's have some fun. It's 2021. Get your stogie floaty and float in style. Stogie Floaty, available now on Amazon Etsy and stogiefloaty.com. <laughs>